the pandemic hit and all these yoga teachers started giving free classes. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. six months of lockdown and people are no longer used to paying for yoga. And suddenly we can't Mm -hmm. charge what we're worth because people want for free. I did a social media post about this not too long ago and sort of made my opinion clear that I think giving yoga for free saying, oh, you know, I'm going to do a free, you know, this is free, this is free. It's undervaluing the entire um, totally agree. Welcome to the Naked and Wandering podcast. This show is all about connecting with inspiring people who follow passion and freedom for a living. Together, we will learn from them, hear how they did it, and understand how we can all pursue our dreams. I'm Lauren Reddick, an international yoga teacher, travel blogger, yoga school owner, and serial entrepreneur. On this show, I will share all of my mistakes and triumphs, failures and lessons, and connect you with amazing people who do the same. We promise to be unabashedly honest, have nothing to hide, and nothing to cover up. This is how we find ourselves naked and wandering in the world. Thanks for being here. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited that you're back because I have someone extremely special today on the podcast. It is someone I feel very honored to now call a friend, very privileged to call a colleague, and I'm very excited for all of you to get to know her a little better. So welcome, Liv Townsend. You might know her as Liv in Leggings. Cute punny. Hello. Adorable. Hi, Liv. Uh, Let me give everybody a little introduction to you. So Liv is a movement lover a yoga teacher, a former slash working on perfectionist, a very hard worker, the ultimate lovely person, extremely friendly, a wonderful yoga teacher. And yeah, what else do you want to say? And, and has an online empire. That's what we're here to talk about, your online empire. An online empire. That is a, That is a phrase that I wouldn't use myself, but it makes me smile when you use it. So yeah, online, I guess online business owner. Um, I think I would also add... Um, dog lover to that description. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. And if you've seen any of Liv's videos on YouTube or her Instagram stuff, or if you're part of her app, you will know that her dog Benny is probably the most handsome boy and the goodest boy ever. He is the goodest boy. I have said many times that I feel that an element of my social media growth is owed to Benny because he's just the cutest little pup. But um, yeah, he's so handsome. Yeah. He's a very handsome boy. He also looks like regal. Like you had, a, you posted, uh, you went to see your friend in the London marathon and then you posted Benny in a sweater. And I was like, Oh, that is a handsome, that, that boy needs to be in an Argyle sweater at all times. Honestly, when he was wearing that sweater and I was walking around London, um, I cannot tell you the amount of times I would hear oh my God, look at that dog. Oh my God, look at that dog. Oh, he's so adorable. And I'm like, yeah, he's mine. <laughs> I'm such a proud dog mom. <laughs> he's with me. Oh, I get that. He is, Wait. He is very regal. He's, he's, a, he's a lovely boy. Does he wear a sweater all the time or was that a special occasion? No, <laughs> he wears a sweater most of the time and it's not for aesthetics. It's not for warmth. It's because usually on his walk, he rolls. He'll find things that smell bad and roll in them. And he also is quite short. So he usually gets covered in mud. And so the jumpers basically mean that I can take his jumper off and it goes in the washing machine and he doesn't get dirty. Um, so yeah, it's not, I mean, he looks adorable, but actually it's more for my own sanity with not having to bathe him every single day. 
That is so funny. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Who knew? When's Benny's birthday? Because I know what I'm getting. Thirtieth <laughs> of June is going to be. Um, yeah, thirtieth of June. Hold on, I'm literally putting it in my calendar right now. Ben Benny Townsend's birthday. Benny Townsend's birthday. <laughs> yeah. He's got Best a. Um, I feel like he has a color. The color of his fur just means that a lot of colors go with him. He's like a ginger yeah. autumn color. So June 30th? Yeah. Okay. There we go. Repeat every year. It's in the calendar. <laughs> He's in my birthday calendar. Birthday. Benny's birthday. I don't even know when your birthday is, but I know when Benny's birthday is now. <laughs> That's the important one to know. Important one, yeah. All right. Let's 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 get back to talking about you. Um, <laughs> so first, tell us a little about you for those who don't know how did you start? First of all, okay. How did you get into yoga? Mm-hmm. And then how slash when did you decide that you wanted to be an online yoga teacher? Cause that was really interesting when we talked about it a little bit together. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Liv and I met because I asked her to collaborate with me on a teacher training in Nicaragua. I invited her to teach at my school, Yoga Academy International. I just happened to catch you at the right day and the right time. And you said yes, which was awesome. Cause I had been lusting after Liv's um, Instagram and YouTube for ages. And I was like, oh, this is a long shot. But like, I wonder, I wonder if she'll do it. And I just like sent an email, press send. And within an hour, you're like, let's talk about it, which was awesome. So I replied to emails fast. <laughs> you do. I love that about you. Cause I do too. I'm like a quick texter, quick email. People think I'm too eager sometimes, especially in like a dating scenario. They're like, yeah, you're a really fast texter. I'm like, yeah, well, if I see it, I'm going to answer. If I see it, I'm going to reply. So, um... uh, but, but yeah, wait, sorry. Let me just finish. I'm interrupting you. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. sorry. Um, yeah. So Liv came to teach at Yoga Academy International. Um, and then we became buddies, which was amazing. Turns out it just takes a couple of pina coladas and then you can become best friends with someone. Uh, Liv actually introduced me to the pina colada in Nicaragua because I have drank them before, but never in Nica. And you one night were like, I'm going to have a pina colada. And I was like, that's a good mm-hmm. idea. And then after that, we were friends. Uh, so one thing that Liv had said to me in Nicaragua by the pool, I was asking her about yoga and her goals and whatever. And she's like, well, my goal really was to become an online yoga teacher. And Mm -hmm. I'd actually like never heard someone say that as a goal. Interesting. I think for many of us being an online yoga teacher as like, is an adjunct to our in-person teaching or it's like, oh, the the pandemic happened. I didn't know where to go from here. And now I teach online. Or I've heard people say like, oh, I want to be a YouTube sensation I want to be a YouTube yoga star, but I've never heard someone say, I want to be an online yoga teacher. Mm. So how did you get into yoga? And then how did that become your goal? So I, I got into yoga, um, essentially, I mean, I feel like there was many different paths that maybe took me there, but the main ones that I recall were one, seeing somebody in the gym being very flexible. And what I know now to be a three-legged dog. And I was, just blown <laughs> I was just blown away by this person's ability. I was like, wow, what is that? I want to be able to do it. Um, I had had yoga suggested to me a few times because I suffer with anxiety, but I'd also just been like, oh yeah, whatever that is. Um, and I also had a Nintendo Wii Fit. I don't know if you had those, um, but I had a Wii Fit that had yoga where you would like stand on the balance board and it would tell you to do tree pose or boat pose. Um, and I think that was what sparked my interest, um, originally was it's this kind of activity that is kind of cool, kind of fun. Um, let's give that a go. Um, 
And so I, I remember actually, those ads, by the way, for the We Fit Yoga Balance Board, <laughs> but I didn't know anybody who had one. So heck, well. <laughs> yeah. um, it's nothing like yoga, but it was what introduced me to, I just remember boat pose and tree pose and you had to like try and get your balance. I mean, it's the most pointless it, it kind of doesn't, it doesn't really mean anything, but yeah, you had to try and get the yellow dots to align when you were balanced in the right place, the exact right place. Um, oh I you, tell my yoga students, um, I remember when I first started yoga and people used to use things to sell yoga, like do this, you know, training because it's in a beautiful space or like it's on the beach. Mm. Like the beach was the selling point for the yoga program. Now people are using yoga to sell things, mm, right? That's like yoga for yeah. we fit. I've seen Oh, this is funny. I was walking by a pharmacy in Canada one time and there was like a giant poster on the window, you know, when they fill the whole window with an ad mm. um, of a woman in Warrior Two. And I was like, oh, cool. A new yoga studio. Awesome. I'm going to check, go in. And then I realized it was the pharmacy and I was like, wait, this was the pharmacy. Cause it was around like the, it was a side window and I went around the corner. I was like, oh, pharmacy. And then I walked back out and I realized it was an ad for something like Prozac. It's like they were using yoga to sell a pill. Like again, people used to use things to sell yoga. Now people use yoga to sell things. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, um, continue. So um, I, um, I'm not quite sure of, of how it came about, but basically Instagram became where I learned about yoga. I would, um, I obviously found a load of yoga accounts to follow um, for, I guess, inspiration, motivation. And I just, I never, I'm never quite sure if I resonate with the term taught myself because, you know, somebody has to be teaching you something, but I just taught myself at home. I would, um, I'm someone who has a little bit of a addictive personality. If I get into something that I like, I am all in. And I definitely went all in on yoga. I couldn't get enough. I just wanted to know everything, learn everything. And so, you know, I would just, even just like internet searches, Funnily enough, the only thing I didn't use was YouTube. I didn't really know that YouTube yoga existed. Um, so I had Instagram where I would learn posture names and transitions. And um, I would take part in yoga challenges on Instagram where, you know, there would be a prompt for the day of, uh, I don't know, something to reflect upon and a pose to do. And that is essentially where I got started. And I documented literally like you can scroll back on my Instagram to like my first yoga pose, I'd be like, okay, I'm trying a downward facing dog. Like it's all still there. Um, that is so cute. How yeah, long ago I mean, was this? So I was, uh, I was 26 or 27, I think. So, so a year ago, <laughs> no, like, like seven or eight years ago, like quite a long time. Yeah. So um, when, it, when it was like in the inception of the Instagram challenge, I remember those cause I was like part mm-hmm. of those Instagram challenges and Instagram back in the day with yoga was so cool. It was such a beautiful learning space. And I learned a Mm. lot of arm balances. I remember through Instagram Mm. because I had only ever seen like crow pose and like headstand. And then suddenly all of these yogis were posting these incredible postures. And before there was Instagram direct messaging, there was like the, almost like the Facebook wall, there was like a comment section Mm. and we would comment like, wow, cool pose. How did you get into that? And then the person who wrote the, the, who wrote the, post would write back and be like, Oh, I did this, this, and this. Like I remember yeah. Laura Sikora, shout out to Laura Kasperzak. Uh Laura Sikora, she did like Gondo Berudasana chin stand. And I was like, oh mm. my God, what is this post? How did you get into it? Because it was before there was videos too, right? There's just these amazing yeah. photos. And uh 
she like uh she commented back and there was no at you have to like read through all the comments but she commented back like oh i do this this and this and i remember sitting back in the day and like making these captions that were like how to get into a pose like step one step two step three yeah and also like reading them like we would read these massive captions of how to get into a pose step one step two step three and it was hasn't it evolved so far since then though oh my god it's evolved so far so but yeah i mean that was it was such a cute space initially right it was yeah and that's where that's where my love for yoga started and yeah i would practice at home every day i was yeah i was all in it was the love of my life i didn't go to like my first class until i'd been practicing for like eight or nine months and I, i i mean i couldn't afford it i couldn't afford yoga classes um they were, you know, there weren't, there weren't that many near where I was. And so it just wasn't very accessible. Um, but I, I loved yoga so much. Um, people often, you know, question sort of, oh, you know, how did you progress? I, I was doing, I was doing maybe two hours of yoga a day. I just, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And so I, I want to go to that point for a moment. Mm. There's a lot of that. How did you do it? Or how did you get here? you do it every day and a lot every day. Right. And with the amazing mm-hmm. poses, it's like, people ask a lot, how did you get here? How did you do this? It's like, you just do it every day. I mean, handstands you too, right? Like people ask me, how did I learn handstands? And I was like, I did it every day. Yeah. I did I it every single day. Is though, is that's the answer, but actually applying that, if you don't want it enough, you're not going to want to do it every day. And sometimes you can't, you know, you, you can't force yourself to want to do something. You either do or you don't want to do it. And sometimes... 100%. If it's not a passion, think, move on. I think that's what people sometimes need to uh, reflect upon themselves. And they're like, you know, you get it usually with the big postures, the splits, the handstands. Like, I really want to do that. And you say, well, you know, you, you practice every day. Oh my God, that's too much. It's like, how much do you want it? Because it's okay to not want it that much. You just have to absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And practice every day doesn't mean an hour to three hours every day. It could mean Mm. five minutes of doing something. But when you love something enough, when you're passionate about it, you end up doing it every day. Yeah, and something that I've I feel like I want to mention is that I think there's a lot of criticism um, about practicing for physical outcomes you know detaching from the goal and 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 part of me I'm like you know what I don't subscribe to that I actually find it very self-motivating um to aim for achieving something you know I wanted to be able to learn to handstand I oh my god me too my practice initially was largely motivated by what I wanted to physically do and the internal practice the philosophy part the that came after like I got Mm. really strong in my physical postures and I got to a point where I was like wow I think I've reached the peak of what I'm interested in seeing what my physical body can do now what Mm. can I do with my mind and now I'm at the point where I'm like what can I do with my mind and now I'm like what can I do with my heart and it evolves yeah. and we all are on different paths and different places in our evolution of it. I just, uh, to me, I think there is a lot of, there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of criticism out there that's, you know, that's like, that can be very critical of the postural path of the practice. And it's almost like that's not yoga. And it's like asana is yoga. You know, I just think, I think, I think it can be a really good thing to have goals and um, take inspiration from achieving something that you can't currently do. Like, I think that is, I agree. And I agree. And I I, I I want to touch on that. Mm. (laughs) I do want to touch on that. 
in a moment because we are at different ends of the spectrum in that space. So I, I want to touch on that after um, I wrote a note about it. Uh, Shall I talk so about? Keep going. Um, we'll keep going. Yeah. So you're so my so next you were, bit was getting into teaching and do yeah. I, so you were physical, super into physical the stuff, and then yeah, then what happened? So you've been practicing for eight or nine months. Go into uh, a yoga studio. Yeah. yeah, I. I didn't really then continue. I, um, uh, with classes, I was a self practitioner. Um, and I was like, do you know what? I think I want to teach this. I didn't love the job that I did. I think for a long time I had been looking for what else can I do with my life? Um, because I just felt a little bit lost. I didn't really know, um, what direction I was heading in. And I was like, do you know what? Teaching this sounds great. I love that idea. Imagine if this was my job. I think, I think a lot of people maybe have those thoughts who are, you know, they love yoga as a student, like, well, I can teach this. Um, and so I'd been, I'd only been doing yoga about 18 months um, when I signed up for yoga teacher training. Um, you know, they actually had a rule that was like, you need to have been doing yoga for two years. But I, um, I somehow wheedled my way in, I think because I had such a consistent and strong practice um, that I then took my yoga teacher training. I did it over... Um, the course of three months because um, I was working full-time at the same time so I, I did it at the weekends uh, Friday nights Saturdays and Sundays uh, for three months and I became a yoga teacher um, and I guess to fast forward to answer the question more directly to fast forward to why did I have this sort of goal to be an online yoga teacher is because I always liked the idea of being able to like the freedom the freedom of being able to work from wherever you want um, to sort of make your own schedule, make your own timetable. I think I found that through the years of, of different employment, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think this is too much of self-criticism, but I don't like having a boss. I don't like um, answering to other people. I I'm also very... don't like having a boss. That's mm. why I don't take on a partner and I don't work for other people. Yeah, I, I I find that I I can I I can appreciate someone in authority, but what I don't uh, what I struggle with is when someone is in a position of authority and I don't agree with them and I don't think that perhaps the way that they are doing something or requesting something to be done is the right way or the best way because I'm like no I know better than this so I mean I can vouch I, for that that you do respect authority because I was your boss that's how we got into our friendship and you know working relationship um, I don't know but it just clicked with us like we had a very nice mutual respect for each other immediately yeah, I think as long um, as I and you did as long and as I was agree with something yeah but even if you um, disagreed you disagreed with me extremely respectfully and I was like mm. okay we can keep moving forward <laughs> because there are times when we're going to disagree we're different people and yeah uh, overall like it's my when I hire you to teach at Yoga Academy International it's my show it's my mm. it's my school it's my world and I could be like well I want it done this in this way Mm. it's more um you know like I, I still disagree with you about going on your toes in a backband I'm not going to agree with you on that <laughs> I'm sorry word of Adonia Rasana put your fucking heels down live I will not I will not I will continue why to can we go down this rabbit hole if you put your heels down you're engaging the whole hamstring if you, but you can keep the, the heels hamstring. up you're only using your calves and the like no. little bit of hamstring no to me it's less about <laughs> the engagement of the lower body and it's more about moving the strain of the posture away from your lower back and into your upper back and your shoulders and you go up onto the heels you elevate your pelvis that little bit higher 
That means yeah. there's more space to open your shoulders, which means you can shift your weight towards your hands, which means you're not going to be crunching into your lower back. Um, the problem is your I'm reasoning not, on I'm this is true. Like when you say the reasoning, I'm like, she's a hundred percent right. But I still want the heels down to engage those fucking hamstrings. It's going to engage the hamstrings more, but you're not, not engaging the hamstrings by lifting the heels. So in my experience, it works better for more people in terms of the posture feeling better but I don't I don't teach you cannot put your heels down I just teach if it feels better lift your heels and that's the way that I therefore practice it's not a when you um, give me your reasoning this is the part I struggle with because you give me your reasoning about it I'm like fuck she's 100% right I still don't (laughs) want the heels up why because classical yoga you put the heels down to engage the whole hamstring and strengthen the hamstring but I do also tell the students that if you're doing it for Instagram you can lift your heels and be on those tippy toes as much as you want because it looks way nicer (laughs) <laughs> yeah for me it's not a even though it does look nicer it's not an aesthetic thing it's a it's a a lower back thing um as someone who doesn't have a particularly bendy lower back I know obviously there'll be people that are like yes you do um sort of anatomically I don't no you, um, you don't you don't if you look at the angle of your back, lower back I don't either and if you look at bend. the actual angle of your lower back it's not bending you just have a very it open front body and you've worked really hard to open up your uh your it's all it's my upper back and my shoulders yeah. yeah and so I can very easily feel um things I don't like in my lower back and that is and so I tend to teach from that perspective of you know well this worked better therefore I'm going to teach it this way um but I like to keep the, you know, the door is open on, you know, if, if you feel better to put your heels down, go for it. You know, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I just care that it feels good. No, it doesn't you. feel better. And I don't I, think it feels better at all. I just want those hamstrings mm. strengthened. <laughs> um, we tangented. What was I talking about? Wait, uh, I will get there. Uh, you were talking about <laughs> how you didn't want, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to happen. You were talking about how you wanted the uh, freedom authority. of, yeah. I, well, but, not authority, but, but also you wanted the freedom of like, of not having mm. to have a schedule or being able to be where you want, which is really funny to me because you love routine. Yeah, I like routine. I like my own routine though. It never appealed to me to like work for a studio. Um, I never did. I think I, I worked for, I had a, that's a lie. I had a class that I taught in a, in a studio for about uh, maybe three or four months. Um, and I just, yeah, it, it just wasn't, it didn't light me up. It didn't light me up at all. I enjoyed teaching um, my in-person classes. You know, I'd hire my own space. Um, I hired a little church hall and I put on yoga classes. Um, but I loved the idea, um, I guess, of being an online yoga teacher so that I could reach like people all around the world. It just felt cool. It was like, that sounds like a really like amazing career to build is this ability to teach people remotely, um, you know, both me being remote, but they can be remote as well. Um to be fully online and to have that sort of the lifestyle that comes with an online business. And funnily enough, I had started uploading to YouTube, uh, you know, way before the pandemic, I would, you know, just upload uh, classes or tutorials um, just periodically, kind of in the same way that many people do. Um, And so I had just kind of like got into um, YouTube yoga. I I'd started to put more effort into it. I'd hired a space and I was using more professional equipment to fill my classes. And then the pandemic hit. And then obviously online yoga kind of took off. And so I feel like I'd already started to try and get my foot in the door into that kind of territory um, at the time where then the whole world, <laughs> essentially it felt like the whole world wanted to do online yoga because, well, 
nowhere, you know, they can't go to the gym, can't really go outside. Um, what can we do? We can do yoga. Um, and so as, as, as many yoga teachers sort of were forced to become online yoga teachers, I had already taken a few little steps in that direction because that was where I wanted to go. So I was, I was quite set up for it. Um, and I guess to, to round that, that topic off as sort of um, time progressed and we were still in lockdowns and things, I was still working part-time in the hospital as a radiographer. Um, it hit a point where I just, it felt like a now or never of take the leap of, you know, can I, can I make this work full-time? Can I, you know, go it full-time self-employed? Um, yeah, and it felt like a now or never. Um, and so it will have been July of 2020 that I quit my job and became a fully, well, I say fully online yoga teacher. I still have a few one-to-one clients who I maintained for perhaps another three months until I was like, okay, now, now I'm going to get rid of those as well. I'm just going to, I'm going to go fully online. Um, so I guess there was a little bit of a, um, what, what would you call it like transition phase of you know I I used to work full-time then I worked part-time then I did online and some one-to-ones and then I went fully online um and I, I you know I, I don't know if I would have managed it without the pandemic but the pandemic happened so here we are that's amazing and I wanted to go back to this idea that you didn't say this but I I'm just inferring a little bit you started learning yoga online. That's where you started. You were a self-practitioner. You started your journey on Instagram, et cetera. And then you, that's how you built yourself up. So what I think is really cool is now you're teaching other people who are where you were when you started. Like, mm-hmm. I totally understand why this is your passion. It just makes sense to me. And, and I tell our students at 200 hour teacher training, when they're saying like, I don't know what my voice is as a yoga teacher. What's my voice? What's my message? What's my theme? What's my ethos, my philosophy of it. And I'm like, well, everybody has an element of struggle or an element of exploration. Everyone has a story and whatever you overcame to get to where you are now, there in your message lies as a teacher. And you can teach people who were once where you were and you bring them up. And I think that's a lot of what you do. Like you are such an accessible teacher and you're so accessible because of your online presence and also your personality. But it makes sense to me that that's where you started. And now you are teaching those who are now where you were a few years ago. Yeah, that's that's exactly like often we, you know, in, when it comes to marketing, you talk about your avatar and you talk about, you know, your target audience. I, I am my target. I am literally aiming to teach people who were yeah me those seven years ago that were just like oh what's makes 100 sense. Like? that's what I do too right like my yeah. avatar my target audience is the same it's like women who and and young men but largely women who are you know in their 20s 30s and 40s like in a transition want to travel not sure where to go next you know really want to find their independence travel alone discover themselves and the world, mm. but are sort of at this crossroads. Maybe they just left their job, just left a relationship, et cetera, et cetera. And like, it, it is really easy to teach to the person that you once were because it feels yeah. like talking to yourself and you love them so much because you understand the challenge. You understand the struggle. There's just so much empathy and compassion there, which I think makes us better teachers. And I think what I, what I love about it so much is, you know, so I like to teach, essentially, I guess it's taking people from being 
complete beginners along sort of towards, I mean, I don't really like these labels of beginners and intermediate advanced, but for, for want of a better phrase, to take them on that journey from beginner towards more intermediate, because I remember what it felt like to nail my first grasshopper pose. I remember what it felt like to get my first headstand. I remember all those feelings and how elated I was. And that's what I love teaching people is how to do that. Because I can, when I see them and they, they tag me in their stories, I'm like, oh, I've just got my, I've just got my first, yeah, either firefly or something. I'm just like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like, I'm so happy for you. Yeah, and, truly rooting for them. I feel that yeah. same way when I get the message of like, Lauren, I just quit my job and I booked a one-way flight to XYZ. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it's really resonating with their journey because you're like, I've done that journey for myself. And then I guess there's also a part of me that is, uh, almost the sense of self I'm like yeah I helped them do that like I feel so proud of me um for being a part of that journey I and I love that I love that I because it feels like I'm, I'm making a difference because even though it's a posture I I receive many messages from my students who say you know I you know I want to thank you for you know how you've made me um you know for helping me with my practice but more so like how you make me feel about myself like I feel empowered I feel like I have the strength to um, deal with the stresses of life and and all of this because they feel so empowered through their practice and what they've achieved, um, which kind of circles back to, I just don't, I don't subscribe to this idea of, oh, you shouldn't chase the postures because I think sometimes chasing the postures can have a profound effect on your mindset, on your sense of self. Totally. I want to go there for a moment. Before I do, I just want to say, I think one of the reasons that you have found so much success and such a wonderful following online is that you're so incredibly relatable. You have this very polished professional exterior, which I know you don't think you do, but let me tell you as someone who was like a super fan of Liv before I met you in person, which I still am a super fan of Liv, don't get me wrong. (laughs) The fall from grace did not happen. Still a super fan. But you come off so polished so strong, so with it, so knowledgeable, and also so friendly. And when I watch your Instagram stories, your reels, I know that you have like hundreds of thousands of followers, but I feel every time like you're talking to only me. And I feel like every time you're rooting for only me. And that is an incredible quality. And it comes through on a screen, which is amazing. You know, I, that's just oh, natural. I'm glad. Yeah. That, well, that, I, I don't like... think you could teach that. You just have it. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure I have a secret there. It's just, that is just the way that I I think that you're just, just thinking about all the little baby lives out there. I think mm. you can truly picture each one of your students. I mean, you are leading a retreat and you are saying like, oh, I feel like I know this person. I feel like I know this person. I feel like I know this mm. person. They've been online with me for so long. And I think that when you teach, you are envisioning in your mind's eye, each and every person who's on 100%. your journey with you. Yeah. I, I, I sort of picture people, um, you know, I'll often picture um, students who have tagged me, even if I've never really had like a, a proper conversation with them, they might have tagged me in showing that they're working, I don't know, on their handstand plan. And when I'm thinking of creating content, I've literally got, you know, their their face and maybe even like their Instagram handle, like in my head being like, how can I, how can I help them? What, what should I say to them? Because I know that any any problem that anyone has or any um, hurdle they're trying to overcome in, in some sort of physical thing, they're not the only one. If they're struggling with aligning their shoulders over their knuckles, there's going to be thousands of people that are, are struggling with that same thing. So I think I think of an individual and I know that by trying to help that individual, I can help many because, yeah, we all totally. share the same problems. 
And it's really amazing. I feel like you're talking to me and only me each and every time. So let's go back to uh, the posture physical side of things, because we have slightly different, I don't want to say philosophies on this, but I am very philosophical heavy. And, Mm. you know, when we look at the eight limbs of yoga, asana is one eighth of the practice and it's one eighth of my yoga. I wouldn't say it's one eighth, but actually probably it's probably about one eighth of my overall personal practice. I try to meditate. I've been getting more and more into breath work, focus, concentration, whatever the things. Um, Mm. But you had mentioned that someone recommended yoga to you to help you overcome anxiety. Mm. Do you found it helped? Yes or no. When you were just doing the physical postures. Um, No. As a nice short, simple answer. No, I don't think yoga is as good for, you know, anxiety and and stress and all that as as sort of it's widely labeled as um but I guess that is the like when I say yoga isn't it's more the sort of the popular way that you'll practice yoga if you go and take it in a studio or take it in a gym I find breath work good for anxiety I don't do it often enough (laughs) I need to do it more often um but no postural practice I find it what I mean by this is I maybe maybe there is the well there's always nuance to it but there's more nuance in the sense that I think it's good for anxiety in the moment that you're practicing it if you take a 60 minute class for those 60 minutes I'm not anxious usually but it, it it's not improved my anxiety on a whole what I mean is that I still have anxiety it's not something that has been removed from my life But yes, you could argue that, well, I'm not suffering from anxiety whilst I'm practicing because I'm so, uh, I'm in my body. I'm not in my brain. I'm sort of, um, yeah, I guess distracted from uh, anxious thoughts. So yeah, I think, I think a sort of short about that is like, no, I don't think it solves anxiety in the way that people maybe expect it to. It just gives you something to focus on which often helps you feel less anxious or me. I know everyone's anxiety is very different, but if I have something to focus on, I'm not feeling anxious about whatever I was feeling anxious about. Do you feel that the practice of yoga though can help you get better tools for your personal growth and mental health? Oh, also, I just want to say I'm currently in Morocco and the call to prayer is happening. So you might hear it in the background. (laughs) Um, So I'll just say that again. Do you feel like, you know, you, yoga, the physical postures can help improve mental health when we're off the mat? Can it help us get personal growth, personal insights? Um, Do you feel like it can help us in our mental health and and overall health? Yeah, 100%. I would say that, you know, just doing physical postures is, it can be completely transformational for your sense of self-worth, your um, appreciation for yourself and your body and therefore I think that then transpires over to your appreciation for others and you know the the things that you or let's Ah, there's the yoga so something I want to say about Liv is like I know you don't ascribe to the woo-woo and you're like the philosophy is not not. so much for me but you are such a fucking yogi and you don't even realize and then you say (laughs) things like that and I'm like there it is there's the ahimsa there's the compassion (laughs) there's the yoga off the mat uh which I love about you because you are so into physical postures. You're so into your body, but mm. it's amazing how much I think the physical postures are a gateway into the emotional body and the mental 100%. body. Yeah. I think, 
I think the whole sort of like learning about your body, I think the the level of uh, appreciation that you can have for yourself and therefore the compassion that you can build yourself and um, the sense of strength. I mean, for, for mental health, yoga as well as weightlifting has been absolutely transformational for me. If I feel capable, if I feel strong, um, I feel capable and strong in my mind. So in terms of mental strength, um, you know, overcoming mental health hurdles or, or difficulties, doing things physically with my body that make me feel accomplished uh, are have been life changing, completely life changing. They've it's got yoga has got me through. I've had I've had many turbulent um, episodes in my life, and the physical practice of yoga and the physical movement of my body in the gym have one hundred percent been what get, get me through them. Ladies and gentlemen, she's a yogi. <laughs> it's different vocabulary. It's different vocabulary, but I think it's the same. It's the same idea. Um, Do you know, okay. on that topic, yeah. If I just add, I mean, it, I sometimes don't subscribe to the idea that I am a yogi because I have, um, you know, I get a lot of criticism, as anyone in, on in a public platform does. Um, I get a lot of criticism that you know that's not yoga, that's not yoga, that's not yoga. And so it feels easier for me to say, do you know what, fine, it's not yoga. Like, I won't be a yogi. Um, but I know that I'm, I, 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 I clearly do that just to try and like quieten the haters. When actually, if I think about sort of my, um, my opinions and my thought processes and, and yeah, maybe my philosophy behind um, the practice, I guess I am. Um, I just... Uh, you are a total um, yogi. Like you're one of the most honest truthful, excuse me, honest, truthful, compassionate, kind, thoughtful people I know. And like, that's the yoga. And while you may not say that you meditate, I've seen you sit quietly and listen to your breath on -hmm. multiple locations, right? Like, I think you are a super duper yogi, but I, I understand it's like, you're, you're trying to quiet the noise in your mind because if you ascribe to all these haters you start mm. to believe and buy into what they're saying which you don't need to yeah I think that's that's the crux of it but that's a big that's a big conversation maybe if another time but yeah it's uh it's it's a challenge being online and I know it don't I know it I just finished <laughs> up an amazing retreat and we had one guy on the retreat and uh he's Indian like he well he's he's born in America but he's of Indian descent and mm-hmm. he messaged me before he signed up and was like, I really want to sign up for this retreat. Um, I'm just wondering if there's like a dress code. Okay. And I get so many gross messages from men of asking me about like nude yoga and can I do this and can I do that? And can I zoom with them while they're naked? And it's weird. Like once you get online, you get so much unwanted commentary, attention, message. Like it's just not, you're like, why? What? I'm still a stranger Mm. to you. Anyway, so he asked me that and I was like, oh gosh, what am I supposed to say? I want to be as diplomatic as possible because I don't know where he's coming from when he says that. And so I just wrote back like, hi, we are not a nudist retreat. So as long as you are wearing clothing that covers all of your (laughs) body part, you know, all of your personal body parts, then whatever you wear is completely fine. Mm. And it was a retreat in Morocco. And I was like, and just to let you know, you know, when we're out and about in the city, I think it's nice to be respectful, you know, cover your shoulders, wear longer mm-hmm. shorts. He signed up and I was like, oh my God, wild card, wild card, wild card. I'm so nervous. 
Anyway, he showed up, nicest guy, so sweet, adorable. Um, basically turns out it was his first time in a Muslim country and he was just really curious about what was appropriate to wear. And he likes yeah. to wear a lot of florals. He likes to wear a lot of color. And he just like, wasn't sure if it was appropriate in a Muslim country okay. for a man to wear florals. I see. <laughs> that was what the question was based on. But yeah. That's the challenge when you're online. Like, because we have so much noise, it's sometimes mm. hard to weed through that noise. And you're like, oh no. I think there is a there is a lot of noise and the, the noise is is often found in comment sections of Instagram as well. And I I set some rules for myself a long, long time ago about you know what I do or do not read for my own sanity, my own mental health. Um but something that I um I just feel I feel like I want to mention. I feel like it um I'm not quite sure what it relates to, but well it, it relates to this whole, oh, this isn't yoga, this isn't yoga. Um, you know, let's say I, I share something about a handstand or, or whatever. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of discussion about, um, you know, the physical practice being, um, you know, oh, it's not yoga, it's contortion or, oh, that's not yoga, that's gymnastics. And that really frustrates me. The physical because... practice was largely influenced by gymnastics. For those of you who don't know that, now you know. But also yoga, as we, uh, well, what I try and um, uh what I believe is for everyone, obviously in completely different forms, it's going to look different for everyone. But but those who are extremely strong and extremely bendy need yoga as well. Like just because, you know, uh, the splits or, or yeah, or handstands or, or, or very advanced skills are of course way out of reach for many people. That doesn't mean it's not yoga because, you know, let's say there's a, an ex-gymnast who has insane levels of strength and, and flexibility. And they're like, you know, I want to get into yoga. Are they meant to like, are, are they are they not invited because they're too strong and too bendy and that's not yoga? You know, try yoga giving them look, in. <laughs> yeah. Confront them with yin. I just think that it can look, just because someone is very bendy, I think there's a lot of noise out there that's like, that's not yoga, that's contortion. And you're like, you can't, from looking at a photo, you can't tell me if they're doing yoga, if they're doing contortion. And that's almost It's being, just judging someone's body, right? It's the same exactly, thing as like fat shaming. It's, it's the same thing as judging someone for saying like, they're not good enough at yoga because they're not flexible or they're not strong. It's just 100%. judgment. It's just, it's it's just the body shaming. And it's body energy. shaming in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, and I just... That's one of the things I'm like, just, it, it kind of annoys me when, yeah, you see, you see people who are, yeah, very strong, very bendy, and they're, they're getting that saying, this is not yoga. And to me, the phrase, this isn't yoga, is very un-yogic. I think it's quite ironic. Uh, totally. Like, oh, I, I was, uh, People find you being judgmental. I was wanting to work with a yoga teacher, uh, and he was doing some training and I wanted to sign up and it was like, Oh, it starts at 4am with like morning sadhana, morning meditation, whatever, whatever it was. And I was like, you know, that is too early for me. I am not comfortable with waking up at 4am because it wasn't, um, it wasn't uh, like at a training center. It was like, this is the schedule I hope you follow. And I was like, there's no way I'm waking up at three 30 to start my practice at four. And he said to me, if you don't wake up at 4am to practice yoga, you're not a real yogi. And my first thought was like, I'm pretty sure you judging me about what time I wake up in the morning makes you not a yogi. <laughs> exactly. The hypocrisy is insane. I would not say And also like Patanjali wrote the Yoga Sutra. Like Sutra means thread. And the Yoga Sutras are these phrases, these groups of words threaded together. And Patanjali specifically on purpose wasn't 
really forthcoming with how he wanted things interpreted. Well, I'm not saying this well. Let me, let me try this again. Potentially when he wrote the Yoga Sutra, he threaded words together to make these phrases. And he was purposefully not specific so that it was open to many different interpretations. Mm. And I think you can interpret yoga, the yoga sutra, yoga philosophy, or yoga practice in a bazillion different ways. I think there's a yoga out there for everyone. Mm. And we are not here to judge each other based on whose yoga is the best yoga. It's just silly. Yeah. Agreed. Very much agreed. Like Rumi says, there's so many ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Mm. I believe that it's the intention behind your movements that make it yoga. Yeah. I think movement with no intention is just exercise and it could look like Pilates. It could look like anything, but I also think yoga can look like anything. If you come to it with a certain intention and a certain commitment to growth and a certain mindset. So yep. surfing can be yoga. If you are listening to your breath and trying to calm your mind and talk to yourself more positively and challenge your body and think about your breathing, then surfing is yep. yoga too. Like I think yoga could be literally any kind of movement. Yeah, I agree. Definitely agree. So let's go on to you building your online empire. Did you have a plan? I know, but it literally is an empire live. I don't, I know you don't realize it, but you are so incredibly inspiring to humans like me and a million other humans, at least, uh, because you have built this empire and you did it quickly. So did you have a plan? Did you set to do XYZ on XYZ platform on XYZ schedule? Or I'm going to do this course this month, this course, like how, how did it evolve? And did you have a plan? Did you sit there and make like a box and write this, this, this spreadsheet, da, da, da. I wish I was an organized spreadsheet person. I am not. Neither am I. These days I have a wonderful assistant called Amy who makes me so many spreadsheets. Um, and I love her for it because I am not, I am not a naturally talented person in terms of organizing myself but on I just want to interject I I can't read a spreadsheet if it's not color coordinated because they make me so anxious (laughs) and um one of the people that works with us at yoga academy I can't remember if it was Lily or Will probably both of them one of them gave me but I'm sure at some time it was one of each of them maybe Will or Lily but somebody sent me a spreadsheet and it was colored and the boxes were were color-coded and organized and I was like that is love like you see me (laughs) And you love me and you know, I can't read a spreadsheet if it doesn't have nice colors and cute little fonts and possibly emojis in them. Yeah. We love, we love color coding. Um, we love it. By but, the way, but, next teacher training, you might be neon green. Cause you've been wearing a lot of neon green lately. I might I'm, upgrade I'm you from orange. Right now, yeah. yeah. I might upgrade yeah, you from I orange. Feel, I feel like I can go with green. All right. Um, so I did have a plan um, in the sense that my Instagram, uh, I used to just share like my practice. I would share a photo of dancers pose or I might, share a photo of, I don't know, crow pose. Um, and every now and again, I might share a how-to um, post, but it wasn't really, it wasn't really, there was no structure. Um, but when I decided to like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make a go of this whole yoga business thing. I was like, um, I decided that I wasn't going to share anything that wasn't teaching, that wasn't a tutorial because I was like, I want to provide value in what I share. And I want people to know me as not this girl that can do this, that, or the other. I want to be known as the, the teacher that can teach others how to do this, that, and the other. So my plan was quite simple at the beginning, which was only post um, things of value that help me become recognized for what I want to be recognized as. Um, but then really over time, 
uh, I've not had like a, you know, I didn't have a, a five-year plan. I didn't have a one-year plan. It was just like, right, well, this is going to work for the time being. And then let's see what happens next. So yeah, I wanted to shift my, um, the way that I shared on social media to make my, to, I guess, try and establish myself as not a, just a yogi, but as a teacher. Um, and so that was where I was, um, sharing more, um, classes on my YouTube, which I, I think I tried to keep to a schedule of, I don't know, a couple of months or something. I can't quite recall. Um, but that was where essentially things took off from because my Instagram started growing traction. Um, I was doing YouTube live classes because this was during, uh, the lockdown. Um, and I was just doing those by donation. Um, obviously you can't charge somebody to watch a YouTube video. Um, so I just asked for donations and, when I had like a, a pretty consistent um, number of people taking those classes, I um, that I, I then decided to, to switch towards Zoom after after quite a few months. So Zoom classes ended up being sort of um, a, a large part of what I did, but based off of my so my boyfriend at the time um, has always been very entrepreneurial he's always run his own business and so a lot of what I chose to do was was kind of based off of his advice he was like you know you need to need to create something some sort of product that people can you know that doesn't need you to be there all the time you know a yoga class you have to be there for that hour for you to teach that class and earn your income from that from that class he was like you need to create something that once you've made it you can continue to sell it also known as passive income um, and so I decided that I was going to do, cause you know, you can go to yoga studios and do a workshop and it might be an arm balance workshop. And I was like, well, why don't I just do these on zoom? Um, so I did my first workshop, which was secrets of flexibility. It wasn't really a yoga workshop. It was the science. Ooh, that is a very good name. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually really want to, honestly, for the last year, I've been wanting to do like, um, a version two of that. I want to update it because it's so old now. Um, and I just feel like I've got can more I, I can share. ask a question. Sorry, before you go on. Mm. Um, sorry, I keep interrupting you. I'm just excited. How many people, because I'd like to get really specific for the people who are listening and are like, how can I do this? Or I'm so curious. How mm. many people were consistently coming to your YouTube lives before you switched to Zoom? Um, obviously you, you see a number, you don't see faces and you've no idea how many people are actually doing the class versus mm. those that are just watching it. Um, but when I was just doing, uh, evening ones, uh, I think maybe I'm actually really struggling to, to remember. I don't want to, I don't want to give false information. What I do remember is that in the, like, November, was it in the tens of people, like between 20, 10 and oh, yeah. 15 I, people? Was, or was it like, good. Under under 100. Yeah, definitely under 100. However, when I did, I did a 21 day challenge where I live streamed a class every morning for 21 days straight. Uh, That I had consistently turning up live, um, I think around 150 people. Um, That is incredible. And so off the back of that, I launched what I then started to call the morning club because I couldn't, I couldn't carry on teaching like every single morning. So was this when you switched to zoom or was this still on YouTube at this point? Switched to zoom. So um, the 21 day challenge was on YouTube. I then started the morning club, which was zoom. Question. Cause I have no idea about these things. When you say you ask for donations from YouTube live, Mm -hmm. can people donate through the YouTube platform or are you like, you can donate here? I put my PayPal link. Wow. So like really mom and poppy, really 
like just really basic really super simple super simple um because that was a time where I was still working part-time in the hospital so it was just like oh it's you know people particularly in the beginning of lockdown people were um generous in the sense that if they took the class they probably sent you a little payment but as I'm sure most yoga teachers will attest to as time passed people's generosity in actually paying for something that they could not pay for um started to dissipate which is why I mean this is also one of the problems with zoom um sorry go ahead which is why I'll go back um, no, which is why uh, you know eventually I was like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna switch to Zoom because um, the income of um, donations started to dwindle. Um, and did you yeah, have it, it be like a consistent payment on Zoom? Like it's not per class. You sign up for the morning club monthly. Um, when I first started, it, I did it as uh, I did semi private. So something that my mm. um, my partner at the time helped me sort of figure is that how are you going to distinguish yourself as different. Why it's would so smart because people class? can't see each other. They're in lockdown. Friends can mm. still go to yoga together. It's so smart. It, Great distinction. It, it was kind of like a, an idea of well, what are you going to do differently to make people want to come to your class? And I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to do semi-private where there's only, let's say, six or ten people in class. Six is what I started at up to after time. Because I was like, what I can offer is then almost like a very personal, you know, I can see six people on my screen super easy. And, you know, we would be doing um, intermediate style classes. Yeah, we might be trying to learn to do crow pose or learn to do side crow. And so I could physically say, you know, oh, Claire, move your shoulders forward a little bit more. And she's nailed it. Um, And so it was almost like, well, what the description is, it's semi-private. So I did that for a little while. um, And that is really cool. I also just want to say, before you continue, for people who don't know, Liv's setup on Zoom is really good. I haven't seen a setup this good before. Um, so what Liv had done is she set up her proper camera mm. as a silhouetted version of herself. So she set up a proper camera in silhouette mode so we could see her. Okay. So imagine like you're looking at any class on YouTube where like the yoga teacher's mat is sideways to you, you know, like a T-shape, you're facing the screen, the yoga teacher's mat is sideways to you. And then what Liv did, because she wasn't using her like laptop to zoom, she was using her proper professional camera what she then did was rig the actual screen of where she could see her students to the front of her mat so that Mm. screen was just above the front of her mat so it was out of view and that way she could see her students while she was practicing as if you're teaching a regular yoga class and that's why Liv was able to Mm. say you know Claire do this or that Matthew do this or that which is a really smart setup and you had a big screen right you had a big IMAX screen so you can really see them well. That yeah. is a game changer. And it's such I, a smart setup. I upgraded the IMAX screen so that I could get more people. So when I had six, I just had my laptop. Um, but, and eventually, you know, my wait list grew. So I was doing, I added another class on the next night and then it grew again. So I was doing three semi-private classes a week. Um, and, you know, I still had, you know, my wait list growing. And so that was like, if I have a bigger screen, because, you know, six people, uh, in terms of, you know, people don't always need feedback every moment of every class. And so I was like, well, if I have 10 on screen, I realize I can still give just as much feedback and give such a, just as personal experience. I can just see more people in one go. So yeah. And were those people coming mostly from Instagram and YouTube at this point? Like you said, they were on the wait list. How are they finding your wait list? Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Um, Cause I, I remember just, I started you know, following you on Instagram when you had like 20 or 30 K and now you mm. have like what? 350 K. Uh, I think I have 310. It's really amazing. And it's because of your commitment to, I'm only going to provide value. 
Like I'm only posting mm-hmm. things that are, I don't know how you come up with ideas all the time. It's really amazing, but you're like, I'm only posting teaching and mm-hmm. your stuff is so good. So well done. So consistent, consistent in look, consistent in lighting, consistent in theme. I struggle with consistency. So this really inspires me. And, and it makes sense. Cause then when we go to your website, it's like, I know what I'm getting. I'm getting more of this, what I've already mm-hmm. seen. I want more of it. I want more of live. And I, you know, there's, there's no discrepancy between who you are on the internet or on Instagram and then who you are on your online classes and also no discrepancy of who you are in real life, which is amazing. I do. I do have a lot of people say that, you know, they really, they really like my authenticity. And obviously that's a lovely thing to say, but I'm also like, I don't know how to be anything but authentic. But I will say that you do hold back a little bit, like, because now I know you in person. I thought you would be, I hope this is okay to say this. I thought always, when I met you, I was afraid you were going to be like a little bit cold and, <laughs> and not personable. Or like, I just thought you were going to be very, very private because obviously you don't my, share mm-hmm. on social media. Like my social media is totally different. It's all about my story and da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. your social media is very, very professional in terms of I teach yoga. That's, that's me. I offer value. Da, da, da. And so I thought that I was always worried you weren't going to have a personality. Like I was like, oh, her personality is this person I've seen on the internet and she's so private. But now that I know you as a friend, I'm like, Oh, you're so much more yeah, than that. I am There's so much depth to you in the sense that maybe I just got me, lucky because I got to know you. Oh, well to me, my Instagram isn't a personal Instagram. It's a business Instagram. And you know, before I decided to go all in on sort of online teaching, it was a personal Instagram. I would share about my, you know, I don't know what I did in my day and about but as it grew, it's hard because the more, you know, if people criticize my teaching, that's one thing. If people criticize your personality in your life, to me, that's harder. And oh, so believe me, I know. <laughs> I feel like the my Instagram grew out of my personal story, but now I, I, it's much more of a brand. And people don't realize that. Like, even when I share personal stuff on Instagram, which you also share some personal stuff on Instagram, you're very mm. careful and calculated. And I'm very careful and calculated about what I share. And I don't actually need your feedback. Like I'm sharing mm. because I hope you can relate, but I'm not looking yeah. for feedback from people to say like, oh, this is okay or solve my problems for me. Yeah. I'm but just I trying found to be relatable. That, I found that as I, as I shifted and shared just tutorials, um, you know, I, I was sort of building a business I was like, people, I I almost sort of got in my own head. I was like, people don't want to know about me. They just want to know about yoga. They just want help with, with yoga. And so my page became less and less personal, which to be honest, I don't, don't mind because I am quite a private person, but I do know that I am not a company. I am, my brand is me. I actually think that's a really good thing. Mm. Yeah. I think it's a really good thing. You are a person, your brand is you, you are exactly like your brand. And if you have the, the honor of being your friend, which I am very fortunate to say I do, that's when you start to open up and give a little bit. But I also think we were, we were so lucky. We just clicked and we also were in a very specific place at a very specific time that led to that environment. I think if you and I collaborated on like, I don't know, a fucking workshop, we wouldn't have become friends in this way. We wouldn't know each other this way. I think I'm just very cautious in what I share online, whether that's publicly in a post or with what I say to somebody in a DM. Um, I'm just, yeah, I, I, I don't really know what sort of spurs that. Is it a safety thing? Is it a, a self-defense thing? I just, I like to try and, uh, I don't like to overly share online because part I think of me it's is smart. Like, 
I, yeah, I do it all like, the time, the oversharing. And, mm. and then I'm like, oh, it's so polarizing. And um, I try not to be political on my Instagram feed, mm. but sometimes I will use my Instagram feed. Like I talk about, you know, like gun violence. I'm very against uh, yeah. like free gun laws. I'm very against that. And I'll talk about women's issues. Um, you know, if you follow me online, you know that I'm very much for women having autonomy over their bodies. And like, those are the two mm. biggest things that I will post online politically. Cause I'm like, uh, this is important to me. But other than that, yeah, like it's, you, you don't really want to share like what you're do- going through at this moment and the personal stuff and your personal opinions. Cause then you get so much feedback about it that is not necessary. Mm-hmm. As when your account starts growing, the feedback becomes more and more polarized. So it's either mm-hmm. super pro or super con. And when you get those people that are on board with what you think and feel and share your values, it's awesome. But when you get super mean messages from people who don't, it can, yeah. it can hurt. And it's just not necessary yeah, I don't, to add I don't that hurt to your life. Skin. I don't have a thick skin. and Neither I, I do thought, I. I thought or hoped that over the years of being online that it might thicken. No. <laughs> no. I just, so I, I have I have boundaries. I don't read uh, a lot of stuff um, because, you know, once I've read it, that's it. My brain will not forget it. And so for my own uh, longevity of being able to run this business, I have, yeah, I have boundaries. And I, I don't... Um, engage in various conversations I don't even read uh various things and and that's a shame because I think there's there's a lot of positive and there's a lot of um people sharing their thanks and their gratitude with me in these sections that I I have had to decide not to read but I I, I can't uh, I have to set that boundary and you know I hate that there must be you know people that leave me messages that um yeah they're thanking me and I and I don't see them um, I, I try. I read my DMs and stuff. Um, I try and um, respond to people um, as I can. But yeah, sometimes boundaries have to be put in place for your own mental health. Totally. So you started Instagram slash YouTube at the same time. You were teaching these YouTube lives, asking for donations via PayPal. Then you mm-hmm. said, okay, I'm starting this 21 day challenge, which led to the morning mm-hmm. club on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At this point, did you have your own website? Do you have your brand or was it just like, I'm still, here's my PayPal, you can join? So around, around the same time, around um, before the 21 day challenge launched, I started to do workshops uh, and they were, so I did one a month. Honestly, I look back, I have no idea how I did one a month. I don't. I have no idea I how you did all of this. I've wanted to do a 30 day challenge of every a, a class every day online. I can't do mm-hmm. like I don't want to say I can't. I probably can if I really tried. But usually after the first five to seven days, I'm like, I am exhausted. This is so mm-hmm. much because it's not uh, just teaching a class, and uh, like it's not just teaching a class with a camera. Like there's so much more that goes mm-hmm. on behind the scenes, like setting up the space and the lighting and getting ready and doing your makeup and yeah. planning the class and then editing the class and getting it online. Like a one hour class is like a is like it's a, a five to eight hour production. Yeah. So what I decided to do for these workshops, because, and again, like I, I owe, um, I owe a lot of this knowledge to my, my boyfriend at the time, because he was like, if you're going to put a lot of time and energy into something, you kind of want to make sure that it, so if you were to create a course, let's say you create an online course, you have to put in all of the effort, all of the time, and then you have to hope it sells. However, if you do something live, the time and effort and energy is done there and then 
once people have booked in. So, you know, I could say, I'm going to run this live workshop. Nobody books in. Right. Okay, fine. I'm not going to run that live. And I've not, I've not invested, you know, hours and hours of my time into a product that nobody was interested in. What happens if two people sign up? Are you doing the workshop or are you canceling? Oh, I don't know. I guess, I guess you would make that judgment call based off of, you know, what, what you were doing, um, whether or not that felt worthwhile to you. I mean, that wasn't a reality I was ever faced with. Um, you know, I was, uh, he said, you know, do something live and then just gauge, see how it goes. So I advertised my first workshop. Um, yeah, I taught it live kind of via zoom, but you know, I, I used my professional setup and I recorded it so that people could then buy it afterwards and you could buy the recording. And that was where my passive that is income also- stream started. Yeah, that's one of the advantages of the setup that you have is that you were recording super high quality. Were you recording in 4K on your Zoom or HD? I think when I what? first started, it was HD. It's 4K now, but that's I think incredible. You know, three years ago, that's it, incredible. it wasn't quite. Because that was one of my challenges when I started doing similarly like online courses or online workshops and I'd put them up. The setup, like I just found the camera quality was mm. not up to par with the quality I wanted to produce. So that's how Yoga Academy ended up filming live trainings because in our spaces mm. when we when we do live in person yoga teacher trainings you know whether they're the 300 hour or 60 hour one week courses sorry whether they're the the one week courses which is like the yin training the chakra training tantra ashtanga etc whether those are one week courses or like one day courses when we do those in person programs i always choose spectacular locations and mm. i always have my camera equipment there and if, if we are doing that, I would, I was like, I can control the way it looks and I can make sure that the quality is of professional quality that I can stand by. But I mm. had done some zoom just with my computer, like zoom yoga teacher trainings. And I was like, these don't look good enough to me. Mm. So that's amazing yeah. that you can record in 4k. I didn't know that you could do that on zoom. You must need a really fast internet connection. Um, we had just regular, regular internet, but I don't, so oh my God, Liv, behind you, you have the YouTube, like gold star platinum plaque. <laughs> it's, it's silver. It's not gold. Gold would be a million. What does that mean? Yeah. What does the plaque mean? Um, I, you get sent a plaque when you have a hundred thousand subscribers. So Congratulations. They, thank you. Yeah. Oh my God. They, that's uh, really cool. I've never that's seen the YouTube plaque. I mean, I've seen it on the background of other people's YouTubes, but like I've never seen it in real life, quote unquote, we're on the screen, yeah. but I've never seen it in real life from like a friend I have. That's cool. Congratulations. Yeah, you, you get, so exciting. Thank you. You get gold if you hit a million, which I'm not, I'm not sure is on, um, on my trajectory, but. Oh, bullshit. Yes, you will. Um, I'm, a, I'm at a quarter of a million. So I'm, I'm a quarter of a way. Now. We will talk about this, Liv, but you sometimes diminish yourself and diminish your own light because you don't <laughs> believe it's not okay. You know, I'm just going to talk about this now. You have said to me when I ask you, how did you do this? Or how can you give me advice on this or that? You're like, well, I think in large part, I just got lucky. I'm like, no, sorry. That was a terrible <laughs> live impression, but like, no, you did not get lucky. You worked your ass off. You were thoughtful. Mm. You produced incredible quality content over and over and over again. And you drew people in. And maybe it wasn't as planned out to say like, I'm going to build this online castle empire following amazing. <laughs> like maybe you didn't set out to say that, but I don't think it was luck. There is a quote I really love that is um, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. 
And That's I don't know nice. who said it because I've seen it. Nice. I've seen it attributed to like four different people. I get but luck like, is oh, when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I would say like, you are prepared. You have been prepared with your fantastic equipment, the fantastic quality of programming you do, the thoughtful classes, your years of experience and knowledge, even your background in radiography, right? Because you knew the body already so well, mm-hmm. your passion, like those are all the preparation and then you had opportunities. The pandemic hit. You now have an opportunity to go online. Um, yeah. You know, you get more and more understanding of YouTube. You had a partner who was very into the YouTube sphere. He, you have an opportunity to learn from him. So I don't think you were lucky. I think you were well prepared. And then mm, an opportunity yeah. presented itself. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think sometimes I just, I don't know. I sometimes feel a little bit overwhelmed by... Um, uh, yeah, I guess what I've created and it does feel a little bit surreal sometimes. And, um, but it's amazing. Like give yourself a second to bask in your light and <laughs> honor the hard work you've put in and acknowledge that it is extremely I mean, inspiring. I did put in an insane amount of work. I used to work 13 hour days, seven days a week to create all my tutorials, to create everything that I was doing, you know, when, when my Instagram. How long did you do that for? Because I would burn out after a month or two. I I burnt out time and time and again. I, I wouldn't recommend what I did. It was not healthy. Um, I burnt out time and time and again, but I was, I did that for, I mean, that kind of schedule of 13 hour days, um, (laughs) at, at least a year. And then I maybe scaled it back to 10 hour days. Um, but you know, when I was putting out a tutorial every day a on year. Instagram, mm. a year, mm. yeah. Oh my god! And then when you burnt out, did you take like a day off, or how often did you? Well, burn I, out? I, guess, I guess I guess it depends on um, how. But you know, do you reach burnout or are you just almost burnt out? I would just get to points where I would feel very overwhelmed and um, empty of creativity. And holidays usually were my um, reboot whenever I would that's really nice yeah away, that's important to acknowledge too it's not sustainable yeah, would, right and that's oh, close 100%. to burnout close to yeah. burnout I'm glad you took a holiday because I did burn is, out last year I had a complete nervous breakdown and I would say now I'm finally I would say I'm 95 percent recovered mm-hmm. and it's been over a year like yeah nervous breakdown like people are like oh it'll take xyz amount of time like people have told me it takes a year i'm like no 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 no, it takes a year so it's a good thing you didn't hit complete burnout because that would be bad yeah yeah (laughs) as someone who's been through it it sucks i just found that i I just think it's worth noting that you know the amount of time and energy that i put into building my business at that point was not sustainable uh you know I was doing nothing but creating tutorials I didn't really have much of a business to run at that point which is now when sometimes I can beat myself up for you know I I do lack consistency on social media particularly on Instagram um and I can sometimes beat myself up about it because I'm like oh I used to post every day and I'm like yeah and I used to be I used to have no life I used to be pretty miserable if I'm honest Um, yeah I feel the same way I mean it's very hard once you have a business like you use Instagram to have a platform to build your business, right? Or you use Instagram to drive people to your product. And then once people are driven to it, you're wrapped up in providing the service and the product. And it's very hard to stay consistent on Instagram. Like, and people who are not using Instagram professionally might not know this, but if you see someone posting every single day on Instagram and they're posting like decent content, I'm not even saying great content. I'm saying decent content that you would scroll through and like maybe stop through sometimes, maybe 50% of the time you'd stop through. 
that person is, is doing that as a full-time job. Like they're working eight hours at least per day on Instagram. And if they're doing other things, then they're doing that on top of all the other things. So like, I just finished a retreat. I just finished a retreat and like, there's no way I could have, I had two posts prepared to post Mm -hmm. pre-retreat, which I did. And then like, now I have a bunch of content that I can create using what I filmed on the retreat, but it's like, there is no way I was capable of being present on that retreat and checking my emails mm-hmm. and also creating content, let alone po- like or even posting content, let alone creating it. Like there's just, there's not enough hours in a day. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they see influencers, they see people posting on Instagram. Like, oh, this is great. This is beautiful. I mean, I think now that reels are up and a lot of like, you know, like random people, regular people, I don't want to say regular people, but a lot of people who are not using Instagram professionally are creating reels to show their friends. I think they're Mm -hmm. starting to realize like how much time it takes because you'll spend, you know, 45 minutes to an hour on creating a reel. That's not a professional reel for your business. Yep. Yeah. And um, I think it's worth, worth noting that to stay consistent on social media, if you don't have a team and you also have other things to do, work to do. Yeah. It is, extremely difficult yep definitely anyways it's not it's 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 not all rainbows and unicorns is it no just because we make it look like rainbows and unicorns and if we do like if we're able to make it look like all rainbows and unicorns like we are doing a fucking great job yeah i will say that which you do like you're oh my god just the lighting just your lighting and the cleanliness of the setup just warms my freaking heart you know when i started following you live on instagram your tutorials were great, but the reason why I followed you was like the feed was so clean. Same font <laughs> every time. That blue gray background, colorful you in good lighting, nice and bright. Like half the time I didn't even watch your posts. I was just like, wow, this just makes me happy because it's so easy to look at. But you know, <laughs> that was that was hard as well. Like the amount of furniture I had to shift and the the stress that I felt to try and maintain that um yeah, that that aesthetic. Oh my God. I know. That's why I don't do online classes most of the time because I can't fucking stand moving my furniture. And also if I am teaching and the furniture has been moved and the background looks amazing behind me, it stresses me out to see the hurricane tornado of shit in front of me. And I'm like, I can't even teach yeah. the yoga class because I can't stand that the rug is like curled and the there's coffee always, is pushing the wall. It drives me nuts. Something, something else behind the camera for sure. Yeah. I know. That's why my my YouTube classes and online classes are like taking place outside because I can mm. handle that. I can't yeah. fucking handle moving my furniture. But then like even the nice ones that are taking place outside, it's like, okay, I had to find the location. I drive there. I take out the camera equipment. I go at seven, maybe 6 a.m. to make sure nobody's there. And then there's also like bugs. And then you like set up the camera equipment. Like it's still an hour of setup. Yeah. It's still an hour of setup. It's even if you just find this. It's equipment. really long. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Anyway, where were we? I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Keep going. I, 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 I can't said, remember where we were. I don't know. We're, we're talking about a lot of good things though. <laughs> One second. I took notes. Ah, okay. Uh, let's talk about money. Okay. How did you decide what to charge and how hard is it? I mean, I'm not saying like, how hard is it live? I'm saying like, don't you find it hard um, to figure out the price point and to charge what you're worth and to up-level mm-hmm. yourself? All the things. Let's talk about all the things. money. First of all, how did you decide what to charge? Was it based on like the donations people had given you? How did, or was it based on like, this is how many hours I put in? This is how hard the work is. So 
Pricing has and always will be my least favorite thing. I absolutely freaking hate it. Me too. It's um, so difficult because you always know impossible. you're going to exclude someone. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't uh, exclude someone, you're undervaluing yourself, which sucks. Yeah. Um, so when I started doing Zoom classes, I essentially went... Um, Basically, you know, how much were the people charging? But then, you know, well, I'm adding extra value. For my semi-privates, I was like, well, you know, I, w- I need to charge more because that because there is a uh, there's a limited amount of people that can come to class. Um, you know, if, if only six people can come, then there needs to be, they need to value the fact that they're getting this, you know, almost, uh, you know, this semi-private experience. Uh, and so really, I would just go along the lines of, well, how much do you pay for like a general admission class? And, you know, therefore, I think, you you know, I can charge a little bit more than that. Can I ask However, the actual number of the uh, semi-private classes? I think they were 14, 14 pounds. Oh, that's a um, lot less than I thought you were going to say. How much well, is... Days, it's a lot more expensive for, you know, yoga studios since, you know, cost of living and all that. Yeah, like how expensive. much was a yoga class at the time? Uh... In a studio, probably about 15 pounds. Yeah. So I, I went, I yeah, was, okay. I was charging, but this is a time where a lot of people were charging five pounds for their Zoom classes. And I want to say just, this, this actually really upset me about the pandemic was mm. the pandemic hit and all these yoga teachers started giving free classes. They were like, mm. oh, what the world needs now is free yoga. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Because everyone thought this lockdown was going to last a week. And then, you know, mm. six months of lockdown and people are no longer used to paying for yoga. And suddenly we can't mm. charge what we're yeah. worth because people want for free. And that was very I, hard. I, I did a social media post about this not too long ago and sort of made my opinion clear that I think giving yoga for free. I mean, obviously, there's always exceptions to the rule. There's always nuance to it. But on a whole, you know, saying, oh, you know, I'm going to do a free, you know, this is free, this is free. It's undervaluing the entire um, industry. Totally agree. To do a free event every once in a while is amazing and wonderful. But to offer regular free classes, that means people like you and people like me can no longer mm-hmm. earn a living. Yeah. So one, a, a really transformational time. So I've always struggled with, with pricing in the sense that I always, I always worry that it's too much. People won't want to pay that. That's too much. You know, basically undervaluing myself. And I remember I put I struggle with a, that too. I struggle with that too. I we just talked about this was, a lot more. It was maybe my third workshop that I was doing, online workshop, and it was an arm balance workshop. It was going to be three hours long. It was teaching, you know, the anatomy behind it, um, the, the technique. It was, you know, on Zoom for me to give you uh, personal feedback. There were slides. I invested so much time into making this like a really valuable experience. And I was charging £35 for it. And I had somebody message me, to say, how could I basically rip people off for that amount of money? Oh, and that said, hurts my heart. Because when you said 35 yeah. pounds, I was like, that's pretty reasonable. And they like, said, I would know, expect oh, that would cost between 30 and $50, which is, you know, in, in the US, yeah. which 35 to 50 pounds. Like, yeah, I think that's very reasonable. Their, their message to me was that, you know, sure, that might make sense if you were having to hire a space and it was in person, but online, that's a ripoff. And what that made me, I didn't, I don't know if I responded, I can't remember. But what I, what that made me realize is that that person values rent. 
And they value that a landlord has to charge money for a space, but they don't value. And, and it's fine that if a landlord needs to make that amount of money for renting out space, but it's not fine if a yoga teacher makes that by doing it online. And yeah, they're not valuing your time or your expertise. Yeah. And to me, they were saying, oh. I, would, I would pay that if a portion of the money was going to a landlord. I will not pay that if all of that portion is going to you. And that, to me, it actually was probably quite a very helpful message. As much as it hurt me, I cried um, because it, it, was, it, was, it was affirming my fears that I was charging too much. Um, it made me realize that for some people... It, whatever you charge will be too expensive because they don't value it because it's not what they, this person clearly saw value in renting spaces. I mean, if, if, you, if you sort of pull this down into that, you know, they saw that, that, you know, somebody can charge an amount of money for renting a space and therefore it's going to cost more, but, but someone can't charge that if they're earning that for offering their, their service. Um, this bothers and, me though, because what they don't see is the, I mean, in the kind of workshops that you do with the setup I just explained, that setup costs way more than 10, hiring a space. Worth of equipment. 10,000 pounds worth of equipment. Which so I how say dare I you say, which you have say what? I, I didn't buy all that at front. My, my uh, boyfriend ran a um, video production business. So a lot oh, of the equipment amazing. I borrowed. But you know, I whether you did up. buy it, whether you did or whether you didn't, you have that equipment, which adds to the value, which mm. also costs a lot more than renting mm. a space. And when people ask me also about like charging for, uh, you know, if I create content for them for Instagram, I'm like, my phone alone cost me $1,500 because I have to mm -hmm. buy the iPhone with the best camera to create the best quality content. But then I mm -hmm. also have, you know, a camera kit with a professional camera and lenses that cost me another, I don't know, five, six grand. The editing yeah. software costs $400 a year. Like these mm -hmm. things add up. And this is why our content, our programs, our stuff is of value and of good quality. And it's like you said, like this person only values a space. Like mm -hmm. all of these things add up to make our stuff valuable. Right. Yeah. And also those things add value. Because if I'm like I said, if I was just recording on a shitty Zoom, like I did my first couple of yoga classes, I'm like, I these are embarrassing. I can't show them to anyone. Mm -hmm. The camera looks like shit. The quality it. shit, and nobody would pay for this. And I don't want to sell it to anyone because I feel like I'm ripping them off. So we are adding value. And if yeah. people can't see that, then then, well, then I don't know. Like, it's just then don't them. then don't take it. Go away. Yeah. You know? But you know, don't don't message someone and tell them that that they're, you know. To me, to message someone like that and basically say you're overvaluing yourself is, is a very offensive thing to do. And also, £35 for a three-hour workshop, that's just over £10 an hour. That's cheaper than a class that you would pay. Totally agree. For... And that is also very offensive. I was just thinking about that because I know people in the life coaching sphere, and I've mm. seen them go from charging like $100 a consulting session to now literally over 2000 mm. And I'm like for an hour. I'm like, I would, would not pay that. Like that is not within my budget, but also I personally don't value that person's expertise enough for that. But exactly. there are people who do, and there are yep. people who pay that. And I am not messaging this woman and saying, how dare you rip people off and charge people like that? Because she has every right to charge yeah. whatever she feels is her value. And if I don't yeah. want to pay that, then I can politely walk away. 
I don't need to accost her for valuing herself. It's actually kind of inspiring because I don't value Mm. myself that high. I have not valued my time that high and maybe I should. Yeah, I think, yeah, pricing is always tricky. Um, Particularly putting prices up is tricky. You know, when I, when I put my prices up, um, that was another sort of challenging sort of just, just my own, uh, uh, my own mind mindset. Yeah. We were, we were just talking about this and I had a cry right before we started recording this podcast that like, I have to raise my retreat and teacher training prices. And I cried about it because I don't want to leave behind all Mm. of these people and all of our students who might not be able to, to work with a higher budget. However, Mm. I am not supporting myself in the way that I need by charging mm. what I'm charging and given the fact that I've been doing so this hard. for 15 years and working so hard, I've been doing this for 15 years. I have so much experience now. I've ran like 37 retreats in eight countries. I'm like, I should be charging more for this. And at the end of a retreat, I want to feel so full, abundant and supported by my work. And mm. I was just struggling because I finished a retreat and realized like, oops, I made a mistake on the numbers and I didn't charge enough to make me feel good about how hard I worked. I cried and cried Mm. and cried after because I thought I had made X amount of profit. And in fact, I made far less, like less than half of what I thought. And I just cried and said, Mm. Oh my God, I can't believe I cried to live. I said, I can't believe I worked this hard Mm. for so little. And like, it's not sustainable. I can't continue to do this if I'm not able to cover my basic expenses. And it was a heartbreak. And then, so there's a double heartbreak of one like I realized I wasn't valuing myself enough and that's not self-love. And then there's the second heartbreak of realizing I am going to leave some people behind. And that sucks because I love them and I know them personally and I don't want to leave them behind, but I I have to raise my prices. Cost of living has gone up. I have to raise my prices. Yeah. I think that's what's in a lot of people's heads when it comes to pricing is you don't want to exclude anyone. Nobody wants to exclude anyone, but that doesn't mean that everything can be dirt cheap or free. Uh, And I think that is what is usually the psychological battle when it comes to pricing is that you know that for every pound or dollar that you charge more, there's going to be people that fall off the affordability. But um, it's kind of like, unfortunately, that's kind of how economy kind of operates is that some people will afford this, some people will afford that. And you have to value it for what it is that you're providing, um, not... um, not value it as in uh, to the point where I want to make this, I want to make sure everybody can afford it because as you say, you, you end up, you end up being the one that then can't afford life because you're not earning a living. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I also have to get over the fear of not being accessible to people. When I was mm. telling you about this woman who I know who's a life coach, you know, she used to charge a hundred and whatever for her you know, an hour of her time. And I wanted to do, and that was like a year earlier, I asked for a consulting session and we did it. Then I wanted to hire her for another consulting session and her price had gone up to over $2,000. She was in higher demand. She had learned so much. She invested in herself and her journey. Da, 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 da. She, this is the price she felt like she charged. And for me, it was like way too much, way over my budget and way over my budget of what I wanted to pay. And I said like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Like last year it was only X amount. And now it's gone up this like 200 times, you know, this is crazy. And, and she just said like, okay, well, if it's not within your budget or or you don't feel like it's of enough value for you, then this Mm. consultation is not for you. That was that end of conversation. Like she was not afraid 
to walk away, believing that there's going to be another client for her. There's going to be another someone. And it, it hurt me for a moment to be like, oh my God, like she doesn't value me as a client. But I don't think it's that she doesn't value me as a client because I do believe that anytime she works with a client, she puts a hundred percent of herself in it. It's that she yeah. values herself enough to say, if I'm putting a hundred percent of my effort into this, I need to feel supported by it. Yes. And it's a really good lesson. I have to remember my, this over and over again, because I do that all the time. People write to me about yoga teacher trainings or retreats, especially the 200 hour training. And they're like, Oh, I can't afford this. It's too expensive. And then I'll like give them a scholarship. And then every time I give someone a scholarship, it's so cheap. Our training is so cheap. And people constantly tell me it's expensive. Our training is like less than a thousand dollars a week that includes room board training and the most incredible space in the world. And six teachers. What the, what the fuck I should be charging your dollars for this is cheaper than mine was eight years ago. Yeah. Which, does, which, which I did like that every weekend, there was no accommodation. There was no food. There was no nothing. It was, you know, just weekends and I paid more. Wow. And that was eight, eight years ago. So yeah. And now the school has like built a reputation. We have incredible teachers like yourself who are like unfucking believable. And I'm like, I have to charge more. And there's still going to be that person every time or usually there, 10 people, there will be yeah. 10 people who will message me and say, it's too expensive. I can't afford it. I want to come, but I'll only play. This is amazing too. People tell me what price they're willing to pay for the service. And I have to just start saying like the price is the price. And mm-hmm. if it's not accessible to you, go to another yoga school. There are plenty of yoga teacher trainings that offer a 200 hour training in, I don't know, like India and Bali for $1,500 that have one shitty teacher that don't have, you know, years and years of experience. And you know what, if you're price shopping, cause you want to buy a certificate, then go ahead, price shop and buy a certificate and buy that piece of paper. That's not what our training is. We offer quality and we offer value. And I have to remind myself that over and over again and stop saying, yeah. okay, I'll give you the discount because you ultimately do. every time I give someone the discount, that means I'm not supporting myself. And if I can't support myself, I can't hire great teachers like you. You're so kind. Oh, you're amazing. You're so good. You're so good. Yeah. Um, Is there anything you would like to say as a final wrap up? Is there anything you want to say to just be like, Mm. this is the last message I want to leave you with friends. Oh, that's a big question. Is there any final thing that I want to leave you? Well, I think, I think in terms of, let's say I'm speaking to people that are um, wanting to become yoga teachers or wanting to, you know, I don't know, develop their online business. Um, It would be to play the long game, not the short game, as in Mm. try and think, you know, the, the consistency that you can, that you can give to your business and to your sort of self it's not about short-term gains. Think about, actually, think about what do you want in life? What's going to make you happy? And then work back from there. Because that might not be the hard hustle, the expanding business, the more classes, the, the you know, bigger retreats. I think we are all conditioned, and I definitely fell victim to this for a long time. We're all conditioned to sort of think that bigger is better and more and more and keep expanding and keep growing. And I mean that in terms of business, not personal development. And sometimes that's not that's not what we want. I think think about what what you want in your life and work backwards. But as you work backwards, therefore, then start work, walking working towards that if that makes sense don't try and think of it as in right this is what I want this one I'm going to try and make now 
incremental steps that move you in the direction of something. You know, if you want to do retreats, do a do a one day workshop. Allow yourself to sort of, yeah, build and take your time to build in the in the direction that you want. Um, because even though, because I think I think I feel like I want to say this because I know that I did have quite rapid success, and I need to acknowledge that that is not stereotypical and. Uh, that is why I like to sort of when I say when you ask me, I think there is an element of luck in there. Um, I think play the long game. But uh, I don't think sure your you're... success was that rapid given the amount of time you put in. Because yeah. if, if you're if you were putting in eight hour days, which is the norm, mm. you know, if you were putting in eight hour days, then it would have taken you four or five years to achieve the success that you have now versus mm. two or three years, you know? So I, I don't think it happened quickly. I think you put in a lot more time than most people after the bat. That's true. Yeah. But I think, yeah, because I think just making sure that your, um, your priorities are in the right place, you know, don't be chasing um, uh, vanity metrics of, you know, social media likes or this number of followers or, or earning this amount of money, like follow what makes you happy in terms of what do you want your life to look like? Uh, mm, how do you think that's that you can create, how can you sort of, you know, what, what do you need in order to create that life? Um, and, and work it from there. Don't yeah, get too, on the why don't get too wrapped of, up in the stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. I love that. Like build on the why instead of, mm-hmm. instead of building on the what, basically. hundred percent. Yeah. Go for why, not what. Oh, we should, that's a, I'm, I'm writing that down. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you can make an inspirational social media post on that. I know. I was just saying that. That's gonna be that's gonna be real. I look forward to seeing it. <laughs> I don't really know how to phrase it yet, but uh something about focusing on the the what the why, not the what, but make it fluffier. And not the end goal. Focus on the heart, not the end goal. I don't know, make it fluffier. Maybe we should collaborate on that. Okay, we'll figure it <laughs> out. Um Liv, where can people find you if they want to practice yoga with you online? Um, I am living leggings in pretty much everywhere on Instagram. You can find me living leggings on YouTube. You can find me living leggings and my online studio, which is where all of my teaching goes is, um, living leggings dot yoga. So, oh, it's so um, great. by the way, way to nail it on the cheeky name, like live in leggings. <laughs> it's like live who's in leggings, but it's also like living in leggings. Like we can yeah. live in our leggings with you. It's just, it's really well done. And your live letter, which is like a letter from live, but it's also like a letter of life. And then it's also a letter. Oh, just, you really nailed it. Way to go. People um, tend to spell it wrong. Living leggings is actually quite difficult to spell. (laughs) Because it's all L's and I's and and I know. Yeah, it does look funny. But once you, once you get the pun of it, you get it. Then you get it. Living leggings. leggings. It's so good. So cheeky. I love it. Um, and I love you. So thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, I love you too. Thank, thank you, you for, you for speaking on this podcast. I'm like just so grateful. I'm so grateful about everything that, about everything about having you in my life. Like, I'm just so grateful we got to work together. I'm so grateful for our friendship. I'm grateful for the tutelage you offer me and the mentorship. I'm grateful for the inspiration. I'm grateful that you can hold me when I'm crying. I'm just... I'm going to cry. I'm just very grateful. grateful (laughs) Thanks so much. I am. I am equally grateful for you. And thank you so much for, um, yeah, coming into my life and then inviting me onto your beautiful little podcast. Oh, yay. Well, have a great day. And you. And everyone else out there. We love you. (laughs) Bye. 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 Thanks so much for listening. If you know someone awesome who should be on the show, hit me up. Lauren Ruddick on Instagram or love at laurenruddick.com. 
That's L-A-U-R-E-N-R-U-D-I-C-K. Also, every week I give away a totally free copy of my best-selling e-course, Turn Your Life Upside Down. Turn Your Life Upside Down is a four-week journey towards getting you strong and excited about doing handstands. Yep, you can learn handstands in just four weeks. More than just physical postures, though, this course also has journaling and meditations to help you find your passions, live your dreams, and start taking the steps to pursuing them. To get your free copy, all you have to do is take a screenshot of your phone while you're listening to this podcast, post it to your Instagram stories, and tag me at Lauren Reddick so I can see it. Each week, I'll choose somebody at random to win a totally free copy of this best-selling course. Like this episode, leave me a review and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Bye.